Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Turn, if you would, please, to Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, and verse 25. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your Word together. And as we study, we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and guide, to enlighten us and instruct us in the Word of life. I thank you for making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer, to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the knowledge of the truth that will make us free. We'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for everything that's accomplished and achieved among us. In Jesus' name, amen. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years and had suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said if I may but touch his clothes I shall be whole and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest a multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And, she, and he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. I want you to notice in particular verse 34 and then also in verse 30. In verse 30, it says, Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue, and that word virtue is the Greek word dunamis or power. Power had gone out of him. And then notice in verse 34, thy faith hath made thee whole. Healing is the work of faith with power. It's like two wires, the wire of faith and the wire of power coming together to connect and produce a miracle in a person's life. Just like in the natural, when they come together and connect and light up a light bulb. Two wires coming together. It's important that we understand that faith is a very personal thing to every single one of our lives. A very personal thing. And there's nothing more important for us to do in life than to develop our own personal faith in the living God. I had the privilege just last week as I've been sharing with you to teach on the subject of healing in our healing classes all this week. And I cannot express to you the value and the importance of putting yourselves in an environment in which you will constantly hear the Word being taught on this important subject. It just does something to you. It is something, beloved, I believe that is absolutely essential and necessary. Just like preparing somebody for a, an operation in the natural. A person may have to take some time to become prepared before a surgical procedure could be performed. If the blood pressure is low, if the potassium level is low, or etc., what the doctors will do is endeavor to get that person to the place where they need to be before they perform the actual operation. Well, beloved, the same thing is true spiritually. See, sometimes we're not where we need to be spiritually in order to receive a miracle from God. But that should not discourage us. All we need to do is to put more time and effort and energy into building faith and generating power. See, the wire of faith and the wire of power have got to come together just like it did for this woman right over here. 
And notice after suffering 12 years, all that she did suffer, and then spending all her life savings on doctors and physicians and all that, that kind of care. When she heard of Jesus, she said something. She came and she said, if I but touch his clothes, then I'm going to be whole. And as a result, she built faith. And when she built up her faith life, she tapped into the power of God. And when she did, she was immediately healed of that plague. That's what the Word says. But I want you to notice that it was faith and power connecting or coming together and a miracle was wrought. She was delivered and set free. Well, beloved, in these classes we begin to teach people how the two can come together and how we can build faith and generate power so that when we are prayed for, that becomes to us a point of contact. I want you to notice that this woman before being prayed for established a point of contact. In other words, she said, when, not before, but when, when I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. See, it's essential and important that we establish a point of contact. In other words, we are going to settle this issue once and for all, and this is going to be our point of contact. And after we make connection with God, that's our point of contact, then that point of contact will become to us a point of reference. In other words, a point in time when I receive something from God. And the reason why it's essential to know that, beloved, is because you know as well as I do that down the road somewhere, the devil will try to put that thing back on you. Isn't that true? You know that. Or even in the natural, it'll try to come back on you and, you know, and, and act up again. And when that does try to come back on us, we have to be taught well enough in the Word to, to, to look back to the point of reference and say, no, that was dealt with then. That was dealt with then. See, and I've been teaching this all week. Now, it's, it would be hard for me to teach all those classes in this one sermon, obviously, because we did four hours of teaching. But what I'm trying to say is it's essential to put yourself in that kind of a position or place or environment where you can be taught this uh, all the time because, you see, faith is a different thing. Faith is something different than natural understanding. And if we don't hear enough of it, then we're going to fall back into our natural understanding and leave the realm of faith. We need to purposely put ourselves in a position where, we're, where we are going to constantly hear the word of faith being taught. And that's why I believe we need to have some faith and healing classes constantly. Constantly. And teaching along the lines of faith all the time. As a matter of fact, if you ever read after E.W. Kenyon, he said we should all have faith clinics in our churches. We need to open up a faith clinic. Where people are constantly hearing the word of God being taught. Why? Because our five physical senses dominate us. Our five physical senses want to rule us. And in some situations or instances, some people will see it and get a hold of it, and then a miracle will be wrought, but many will not see it or understand it. And they'll try to walk in it in obedience to God. And, you know, we do our best to help people to get to that place, but, you know, it's hard to determine where people are at. Can you understand that? And we just can't tell somebody how to act out their faith. No one could have told our dear sister what to do when she did it. And I can relate to what she said. Because there were situations in my life when I knew I had to make a decision. Who are you going to believe, God or man? What report are you going to believe, God's or man's? And to those of you that are out there who may be new to the faith walk or message, I want you to understand something here this morning. This is a message of life and death. This is a message of life and death. And it would do us well to get into the Word of God and do all that we possibly can to learn how faith works. And I guarantee you that once you learn it, you'll be challenged. The enemy will come and try to challenge your faith, to see to it that you don't work your faith. Because he knows that when 
you begin to learn how to operate in faith, it means His dominion over your life is gone. And so what I want to do here this morning is, is in a brief message to try to elevate our faith to a high level so that we can receive from God this morning. That's what I want to do. And I want to get us to the place where this woman took herself when she touched the hem of His garment. I want you to notice it was her faith that made her whole. Jesus probably had His back turned to her. He wasn't even actively involved in praying for the woman. Can you see that? He is thronged with a multitude of people going about His business trying to help somebody else and all of a sudden, someone tugged Him. Now, the disciples said, when He said, Who touched me? They said, Master, you see everybody here thronging you. They're bumping into you, touching you, you know, and pressing against you. And sayest thou, Who touched me? He said, Wait a minute, virtue has gone out of me. You know, you can actually touch the Master and not activate His virtue. You realize that? That's true. See, they're all touching Him. But this woman touched Him with faith. And there's a difference. And when she touched Him with faith, she activated the power of the dunamis, the miracle ability of God on her behalf. And she almost got to the place where she was kind of scared to say, I'm the one that did it, Lord. You know, you can just see her, you know, huddling down and just getting down because she didn't know what He was going to say or do. But she got a miracle. And basically, he wanted to commend her. He wanted to point her out and say, Woman, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. He didn't want to reprimand her. She didn't know what to think because she, she broke all religious tradition. She had to break free from every religious rule. She had to break free from the advice of her physicians. Can you understand all this? Can you tell somebody else when to make that decision? No. Can you tell someone else when not to take their medication? No. Can you tell someone else when not to have a test? And say, I'm not going to submit myself to that? No. And if someone comes up to you and says, well, what do you think I should do? Just know they're not ready for anything. Say, go back and talk it over with God. Unless you have revelation from God. Unless God by His Spirit gives you revelation, you just tell them, just get back with God and find out what He would have you to do in this matter. But what I'm saying is, beloved, in the meantime, we all need to put ourselves in an environment of faith and healing. We all need to continuously hear messages on the subject of faith because, beloved, that's what's going to get us over. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And the just shall live by faith. And this woman's faith made her whole. And if her faith made her whole, our faith can make us whole. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to notice that she said some things to get to that place. When she heard of Jesus, how does faith come? By hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. And when she heard of Jesus, you see, she said, she said, and she kept saying in the Amplified Bible, it says she kept saying, she kept repeating or reiterating, if I may but touch His clothes, I shall be whole. If I may but touch the hem of His garment, thou shalt, I will be made whole. And so that is her point of contact. When she touches the hem of His garment, she said, I will be made whole at that point. Now, let me just clarify something that I believe needs to be clarified to all of us this morning. When we look to the cross of Christ and Calvary, we know that on that cross, He bore our sickness as well as our sin. Isn't that true? And in one sense, we can say that I was healed at Calvary. Isn't that true? True. How many of you can also say that you were forgiven at Calvary? That's true. And so, in a sense, we were both forgiven and healed at Calvary. 
But when did you really get saved in actuality? It was at that point in time when you accepted Christ into your heart. Isn't that true? And so although with His stripes you were healed, and we refer to that very often, we still need to come to the realization of our need to establish a point in time when we actually receive our healing, just like when we received Christ as our Savior. Can you understand that language? Because sometimes what we do is we use general terms and just keep saying, well, with the stripes I was healed at Calvary, and that's wonderful. But when did you receive it? Because, you see, some say it like this. Well, with the stripes I was healed at Calvary, and God's going to heal me. And that is not faith. That is future. That is aimlessly going about in, 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 in the realm of hope, wanting God to do something for us. What would you tell the person who said, Oh, I recognize that my sins were forgiven at Calvary, and God's going to save me. What would you tell that person? No, no. Your sins are forgiven at Calvary, but you've got to accept Christ and receive Him as Savior now in order to be saved. Wouldn't you do that? Certainly you would. Well, that's my point. Whatever our condition may be, we have got to prepare ourselves to get to a place like this woman did when we establish a point of contact. And that point of contact, you're going to take just as serious as you did your salvation, the date of your salvation. And you're going to say, at that point of contact, I will release my faith and I will receive my healing. You make note of that. You write that down. And as far as you are concerned, that settles it. God's power is unleashed at that moment and it begins its working in that person's life. From that point on, that point of contact now becomes a point of reference. That's my reference point. I look back to that point when hands were laid upon me or when I just believed I received healing from above and I refer to it any time a symptom tries to come back in my body to tell me that I'm not healed. Now, we don't have this written out, but beloved, I, sometimes I, I wish we did. I would have to think that down the road somewhere, maybe a year later, two years later, five years later, this woman might have had another symptom in her body of a blood disorder. Possibility could exist. Isn't that true? Because you know as well as I do in our lives today that symptoms always try to come back on us. Well, once again, I can just see her sitting there reminding herself of that moment when she touched the hem of his garment. And it overshadowed any symptom that she had in her body. She finally began to reminisce how I left that room, how I left that home, how I left my tradition, how I left the rule of the religious leaders, how they thought I was in disobedience, but I had to obey God rather than man. And how I made my way through the crowd, how I pushed my way through there, when I should have been crying, unclean, unclean, get away from me. It didn't matter to me whether or not they would stone me. Oh, it didn't matter to me what they would try to do to me. All I wanted to do was to touch the hem of His garment. She was a woman on a mission. And she was heading in that direction. And she reminisced and reminisced until finally she saw it so vividly in her mind. It doesn't matter what my body says. It doesn't matter what any symptom says. Thank God I remember when I touched the hem of His garment. 
And I was made whole. And my faith took care of it then and thank God I'm free now. Can you see that? That point of contact becomes our point of reference. And we refer to it constantly that at that moment I was healed. Thank God I did something about the situation. It's already handled. And I want to show you that in the Old Testament. Look at, if you would please, Psalm 37. In Psalm 37. Up until this point, if you were in our classes, and according also to what you know, you know beforehand, you should have been taking time to prepare yourself to meet God this morning. Did you bring your fine clothes? Did you comb your hair just right? Do you have your makeup on just like it should be? Did you guys shave the back of your neck? Man, you're going to meet Jesus. King of kings and Lord of lords. You've got an audience with the Father God this morning. You have your best clothes on. You've got your shoes polished and all shined up. Do you see what I'm talking about? I'm going to meet God this morning. I'm on my way, praise God, into the throne room this morning. I want it to be that real to you. I want you to see it vividly in your mind's eye, in your spiritual mind's eye right now. You're about to enter into the Holy of Holies by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're about to receive grace to help in your time of need. And when hands are laid upon you in Jesus' name, there will be an unleashing and release of the power of the Most High God that will establish for you a point of contact and a point of reference. God's power is unleashed and your body has to line up to the Word of God. You understand your body in itself does not know it's supposed to line up to the Word of God. Did you know that? It doesn't know that. The body hasn't been taught that. The body does its own thing. When it feels pain, it says, ouch. When it feels sick, it says, I'm sick. It doesn't know it's supposed to line up to the Word of God. It doesn't know it's supposed to respond to the power of God. But you are not a body. You are a spirit. And as a spirit being, you are going to meet God this morning. You are going to establish that point of contact. You're going to unleash His ability and power on your behalf. Hallelujah. And you're going to say, body, you've got no chance. You've got to line up to the Word of God. Do you see that? You're in control. Hallelujah. For the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily infirmity. Hallelujah. Psalm 37 verse 4 up to this point is what we should have been practicing. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. In other words, we've been instructed every day to be doing something about preparing ourselves for that point of contact. And... We should have been meditating the Word of God, meditating the love of God, meditating the care of God, the compassion of God, and know how much He wants us healed and whole because He sent Jesus to secure it for us. And then we should have been like the woman with the issue of blood. We should have been saying, either when hands are laid upon me in Jesus' name, I will be healed, or when I get to church and I sit in that pew, I'm going to lift my hands to heaven, and when I do, I will receive my healing from on high or whatever you established as being your point of contact, you should have been delighting yourself in the Lord up until this point. And if you haven't done that yet, it's still not too late, praise God. I say to you, muster up as much faith as you can right now. Hallelujah. And start saying, back at the cross, I was healed. And thank God that I was healed. And my body doesn't have to line up to sickness and disease. It can line up to the Word and the will of the Most High God. And I'm going to say that when hands are laid upon me this morning, I will be free. 
In other words, she kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying. That's what she kept saying. That when I touch his garment, I'll be whole. We keep saying and saying. See, that's our faith being released. Make a note of this in your heart and mind. By the confession of our lips, we either give Satan dominion over our lives or God dominion over our lives. By the confession of our lips, we either give faith dominion over our lives or fear dominion over our lives. For a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. The tongue of the wise is health. By the confession of our lips, we also give healing dominion or sickness and disease dominion over our lives. Let's not forget that. So now we've established that we've been worshiping and thanking God and delighting ourselves in Him, knowing that He will give us the desires of our heart. But now in verse 5 it says commit. I want everybody to make a mental note of this also. When it says here commit, that is your point of contact. You have made a decision to do something about the problem. And the decision that you have made is a decision to commit it to God. Before a surgical procedure is is performed, the person should have confidence in the surgeon, wouldn't you say? Why? Because that person is going to make a conscious decision to commit his or her body to this man. You're going to be under an anesthetic You're going to be lying there helpless. You are there and you have totally committed your body to the skills of a man. Isn't that true? You are now under his control and care. You've made that decision to commit and you say, Doctor, what you have to do, do. Now, if you're a born-again believer, you also unleash the great physician and a team of angels to minister for you and, and help that fella do his job even better. Amen? Isn't that true? Okay. You have committed your body to this person. Now, you are committing your body to God. You are totally giving yourself over to God, to His ability and to His power. You are saying, Lord, I'm making a decision to do something about this physical condition. I'm totally giving my body over to you today. It is now going to be yours to deal with. I commit this to you at this moment in time. The same way you committed your spiritual condition over to Him when you made Jesus your Savior and Lord at a point in time. And at that point, your faith is released in Almighty God. Commit thy way unto the Lord is the first step. If you're not prepared to commit your way to the Lord this morning, then it would be my suggestion to you that you do more study and meditation throughout the day and come back tonight. If you're not prepared to commit your way to the Lord tonight, then what you do is continue studying and meditating the Word of God and preparing yourself for another point in time. It will be better to delay your prayer of faith than than to pray the prayer of faith and not be prepared. Because you can get further from God than closer to God. We don't want to just take a stab in the dark. We don't want to hope for a prayer accident of faith. 
We don't want that either. We want to be certain that we are ready to say, God, you are in control of the situation, period. I'm ready to turn it over to you completely. Now, whether it be through a physician, through an operation that you're going to have, and that can be done also, or totally to God without any help from mankind. It's all up to the individual person. And God will meet you where your faith is at. Do you believe that this morning? God will meet you where your faith is at. The second thing we need to understand is trust also in Him. Trust also in Him means once you have committed to God and once you have established your point of contact. I want you to notice that before you commit is preparation. You haven't committed yet until you actually release your faith and are prayed for. Once you are prayed for, you've released your faith, you have committed your way to God. Once you commit your way to God, you establish a point of contact. The next thing to do is what? Trust also in Him. Trust also in Him. Be confident in His ability. Be confident in His power. Be confident that He is at work in you and will do a good job. Can you see that? Commit and then trust. Trust. In other words, I have prayed, I've committed to God, and now I trust in my great physician. I trust Him. He is at work in my body now. Once you pray that prayer of faith and have committed yourself to God and established your point of contact, your faith has been released, God's power begins to work inside your body. Now listen. And now, you are confident that He is working in you. And I state that, beloved, because not every situation is instantaneous. And just because it's not instantaneous does not mean that God is not still at work in your body. But we don't want to disconnect those wires, the wire of faith and power, by taking it out of the realm of faith and putting it into the realm of the future, which is hope. Now, to illustrate that, let me just say this. I remember when I had to believe God for money. And I prayed to God on a Sunday to receive a certain amount of money. I knew the bill was due on Thursday. And so I released my faith on Sunday. Sunday became my point of contact. It was the moment I committed my way to God. And said, God, now you're in control of this situation. I release my faith, and I believe I have received my need met. The next day, thoughts bombarded my mind and told me to go look into the mailbox to see if there's any money. Immediately, I rebuked that thought and referred to my point of reference, which was my point of contact, which was Sunday. And I said, I asked God on Sunday to meet my need. I believe I received it, and therefore, I have it now, Mr. Devil. And you can see it right there, if you had faith eyes. But since you don't, I just want to point it out to you. Tuesday came around, the same thing happened. I did not say God is going to give me money by Thursday. I said, Mr. Devil, I prayed on Sunday... I asked God for my miracle. I believe I received it. 
And last Sunday, when I prayed, I made contact with God, and therefore, I've received my miracle. I've got it in Jesus' name. Wednesday came around. I want you to see something. This is very important. You'll be challenged every step of the way. Every step of the way, you'll be challenged. But you are referring constantly to your point of reference, which was your point of contact on Sunday. Do you see that? You constantly do that, and when you do, listen carefully, you constantly leave things in the realm of the Spirit. If the devil can take you into the realm of reason, he will defeat you. But if you keep him in the realm of the Spirit, you will overcome. So don't give in to his tactics and annex. Don't listen to what he has to say. You constantly refer back to the point of contact. When those wires connected, when heaven heard your voice from on high, and you constantly say, I released my faith, God is at work, you are too late. It already took place. And God has delivered me. He's at work in my life right now. You're too late. First John. No, wait a minute. Let's before we go there. Commit thy way into the Lord. Trust also in Him. See, that's trust. For once we have committed, now we trust Him in faith. Make note of that. You trust Him in faith, not hope. Faith means He has heard me. He is at work in my life now. Not He will do it for me someday. That's trusting. And I want to show that to you in the Scriptures. And look at the latter part of the verse. And He shall or will bring it to pass. Now listen carefully when I say this. Your part and my part is to believe I have received. Therefore, God's at work now. And that is past tense and present tense. Can you see that? His part is to do what? Bring it to pass. Listen carefully. He, he takes it out of the spirit realm and makes it real in the physical realm. But that's not our part. Oh, would to God we can get a hold of that. That is not our part. Our steadfast look is to be in the past and present, never to the future. I prayed, He heard me. Point of contact. I know He's at work in me now. Present tense. Faith is past tense. Present tense. Not He's going to do something. That's future. That's hope. Has no substance to it. Past tense, He heard me. Present tense, I have it now. He's at work in my life now. And I thank Him for it. It's His responsibility to bring it to pass. To take it out of the spiritual realm and produce it in the natural realm. Can you see that? Now look at your scripture in 1 John 5. 1 John 5.14 says, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according unto His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petition that we desire of Him. 1 John 5.14, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. At the point of contact, you know He heard you. 
And if we know that He hear us, we know we might get. We know what? We have. We have now. I have it now. See, faith says it's mine. I have it now. We know we have the petitions that we desired of Him. What things soever you desired when you pray, believe you receive it. And you shall have it. Trust and be confident that it was granted you and you shall have it. Trust and be confident that it was granted you or given you and what will happen? He will bring it to pass. Now listen carefully. If you applied for a grant to a local college or something like that, and you got a phone call, and they say, well, look, we met, we made a decision, and you have been granted $10,000 towards your college education. Once you received that phone call, what would you say? I have been granted $10,000. It's already settled. The money's mine, wouldn't you? If someone said, let me see it. Well, you have to understand that it's been granted now. I've got it. It's granted. But it's got to come in the mail. They're going to send you a check. Or you're going to go pick it up. It doesn't change the status, does it? It's yours now. The Bible says, whatever you desire when you pray, believe it's granted now. Believe it's granted now. Believe it's granted now. And you shall have it. Our job is to believe it's granted now and to say it's granted now. At the time of prayer, He hears me. It's what I desired. It's granted now. Point of contact. And as far as making it good, that's God's responsibility to take it out of the spirit realm and put it in the physical realm. And He does that as long as we keep the wires connected. Can you see that? And keep saying, it's mine. I have it now. Well, when are you going to get healed? The devil says, it's mine I have it now. Well, you don't look healed. It's mine. I have it now. You don't sound healed. It's mine. I have it now. How can you say that? You're a liar. Let God be true and every devil be a liar. You're lying. Let God be true and every man be a liar. You're lying. Let God be true and every symptom be a lying vanity. It's mine. I have it now. How can you be so confident? How can you be so sure? Point of contact. You want me to get out my little book and show you where I wrote it down? Point of contact. Right here. Wrote it down. See? God and I connected. Point of contact. It's mine. I have it now. And as long as we keep it in that realm, can you see this? Satan has no way to deal with us. He has no avenue into our lives. But if we release that and abort the whole thing, which is what he's trying to get us to do, shuts down the power of God, then before it's consummated, can you see that? We give it up. God wants us to know that the moment we pray, we are to believe we receive. Establish that point of contact and any moment thereafter, keep referring to that point of contact as being your point of reference. And you know, beloved, I continue doing that every single day. And even on the day that it was due, I know that some people put a big, you know, well, emphasis on that 
when it's due or, or when the manifestation comes. I never did. I told God one time that it was needed by Thursday, but God didn't say, believe you receive it by Thursday and you shall have it by Thursday. Didn't, didn't say that. He said, you believe you receive it now. Isn't that true? And so although the temptation came to me to say, you know, well, God, I need it by Thursday and tomorrow's Thursday or today's Thursday. No. I said, no, why, why should I say that when I've already received it when I prayed on Sunday? I believe I received it and I have it now. And so when Thursday rolled around, I just walked by the mailbox and said, I'm not even going to look at you. Because I received it Sunday. When I asked God for it, that's when I received it. I have it now. And I thank God I have it now. It's mine, praise God. Went into the apartment, sat down there and did my thing for a while. Ate a little bit of lunch and said, well, I guess it's time to see if there's anything in the mailbox. See if any mail came. On my time. Not being pressured in by any devil. Can you see that? Walked over there, opened up the mail and pulled out a check for exactly the amount of money that I had needed to pay the rent. It was on the right day. It was on the, on the day that I needed it. And someone says, well, what if it wasn't there? You think I'd have stopped saying I received it? I wouldn't have stopped saying I received it. So my testimony would have been, so I prayed this on Sunday and I believe I received it. And would you know, Thursday... Oh, about three minutes before they closed, I received, someone walked up to me and said, here's $200 that you asked God for. It would have worked out another way. That just happened to be the way that it worked out. But I want you to see, that day didn't mean anything. That day didn't matter. What mattered was, I believed I received and therefore I had it. And every single day thereafter, I didn't cave in with my faith. I just stood there and said, I believe I receive it and I have it now. You know, sometimes we don't have that kind of, of fortitude. We don't have that kind of patience that we need to have. And that's why many times we abort the plan of God. Can you understand that? You know, we kind of cave in under the pressure and we weaken and we just let things go. And we shouldn't do that. Now, I don't have time to turn to it because, but, but, I, but I want you to hear it and see it because this is what we need to understand. When Peter got out of the boat, he got out of the boat of sense knowledge acting on a word that came from the Lord Jesus Christ. He said to Jesus, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come out on the water. And the Lord said, come. I mean, what else could he say? Uh, well, it's not me. He had to say, come. He said, if it be thou, bid me to come. And so he said, come. And Peter stepped out on the word of God and he began to walk on the water. And as long as his eyes were on the word of God, he was walking on the water. As long as his eyes were on the word of God, he didn't sink. As long as he maintained a spiritual focus, he was walking in the power of God. As long as he kept his eyes on spiritual truths, God's ability was unleashed on his behalf and sustained him in the realm of the miraculous. A continuous miracle. Walking on water is a miracle. Did you know that? Amen. But I want you to see this. Then the Bible says, Then he saw the wind boisterous. And when he did, he began to sink. I want to show us how that when we get our eyes away from the Word of God and we get our eyes back on reasoning and sense knowledge evidences, the power flow begins to diminish little by little. He didn't just go kerplunk. He began to sink. There wasn't as much power 
being released on his behalf, being manifested on his behalf. And he was ankle deep. He began to get to knee deep. And probably at waist level, he said, Help me, Lord, I'm sinking. Can you see that? How many of you know God, Jesus didn't let him sink? Wonderful. What a good God he is. What a wonderful Savior Jesus is. Yeah, and what a blessed teacher because he said, Peter, oh, you have little faith. If little faith can walk on the water, can you imagine what great faith can do? Oh, you have little faith. I like it. You know, Jesus told it just like it was. If we told that to people today, we'd get a pie in the face. Do you know that? I mean, I lived to the, I, there were times when I talked to people that lived to the Pentecostal movement and the healing revival movement. And I mean to tell you, these people witnessed miracles take place like never before. Oh, and about 1947 to 1958 was called the healing revival in America. You know that? And I mean, if you sneezed and said, 1 Peter 2.24, people got healed. It didn't matter what you spewed out of your mouth. If it had any connotation to a scripture, they got healed instantly. It was that easy to get somebody healed then, during that particular time. Well, after that, we know we had the charismatic and the faith movement. And we understand that God established that healing revival and movement so as to prevent healing from becoming extinct. It was in danger of becoming extinct and unknown to the people of God. Well, after that, they were supposed to get into the Word of God. During that, they were supposed to get into the Word of God and really understand how faith and healing work. But rather than do that, I mean, who wouldn't rather just say, well, let's go to church and get healed tonight. Don't need your Bible or anything. Just wait for the move of God. Sit down and let the power of God hit me over there on the head and rise up whole. Wouldn't you like that? Who wouldn't like that? Don't have to study. Don't have to pray. Just go to church. There's the move of God. Boom. You're healed. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, God says, well, we've had enough of that now. Let's get them working again. And so he teaches us faith. He raises up faith teachers to teach us how to activate the power of God, which is the way that just are to live by anyhow. The just shall live by faith. Isn't that true? And so now we have a faith movement and people are being schooled along the lines of faith. You ever try to get a faith person to talk to a person that lived to that era and try to teach them faith? Oh, my. And if... They're not receiving from God and there is a sickness or a disease and you might even hint or intimate, just a, a little implication that there might be a lack of faith. You better wear your bulletproof faith shield because you're going to get it. But now, wait a minute. I thought we're supposed to be humble. Look at here. Jesus said to Peter, Oh, you of little faith. I mean, I don't know about you. I might have had a little bit of a tendency to say, Me, little faith? Then what have they got over there in the boat? That boat is filled with doubt and unbelief. And they who are in it are embalmed with doubt and unbelief. He said, I have little faith. Now, did he get upset about that? Man, he probably said, man, if there's a little bit of faith to give me to walk on this water, can you imagine if I build my faith? Can you see that point? So Jesus taught it like it was. And he wasn't, you say, he was criticizing Peter? No. The woman with great faith, he said, daughter, great is thy faith. The centurion, he said, I've not found so great faith in all of Israel. 
So Jesus wasn't criticizing him. He was pointing this out. Peter, there's a lack in your life. You have the ability to keep your focus for about mm, 30 seconds or so. And all of a sudden, sense knowledge took over once again and you began to sink. Now, I lifted you up. Now, if you can hear the same words coming from the Lord Jesus Christ a time later, He said, Peter, listen, Satan's come to sift you like wheat. He has come to determine whether or not you have faith. He's come to challenge your faith. He let him know that. But when you're converted, go and strengthen thy brethren. Didn't he tell him that? Satan had desire to have you and sift you like wheat. He wanted to find out if he really had faith because he knew that Peter was weak along that line. He may have been better than the others and further ahead than the others, but he was still weak along that line when it came to walking in miracles all the way to the end. Can you see how you can connect the wires and begin to walk on the water and operate in faith and all of a sudden, if we're not careful, we get distracted, our eyes get on the natural circumstances and, and, all, and all that, and all of a sudden, what happens? It becomes weaker and weaker. This is why we need to be in these classes. We need to constantly hear this kind of message being taught. That once you pray that prayer of faith and once you step out of the boat of sense knowledge, once you start walking with God in that matter, once you have committed your way to Him, it's time to trust and be confident and know that He heard you and go back to your point of reference. No, He heard me. I have a petition. It's working in me now. God has delivered me. God has set me free. It was settled then. And you see why it's important that you establish that time? Because afterward, beloved, you will constantly be going back to that moment. That's when I released my faith in God. Brother John Osteen said he had done the same thing, but only he put God on a time limit. And there was a time limit in a situation that he was encountering. And he said at the time, the very day before he had to have that miracle met, that need met, the very day before, he went out and did it for himself in the natural. Sound like what? Abraham. Giving birth to an Ishmael instead of an Isaac, right? That's what he did. In other words, he was only sustained for so long in the spirit. When he finally got to that place, he just aborted the whole thing. Went out and did it on his own. Went to bed that night saying, God, what, did I, what, what, what happened here? Why did it work? How many of you know that God's on time? He still had one more day, didn't he? He said, I went to bed that night. And when I did, I had a dream. And I know it's from God. And he showed me in a dream, a serpent came along and that serpent ate my miracle. He said, the miracle was there. And he, he showed him a picture of two. He said, here's the one you went out and did on your own. He said, but here's the one that I have provided for you. Now, you did it on your own. He says, but here, you let the serpent eat it. He took it right off of you because of your inability to remain steadfast unto the end. Unto the end. You know, sometimes, beloved, we abort the things of God too, too soon. And as a result, the process is not consummated in the flesh. God said, you commit your way to me, you trust in me, and what will He do? Bring it to pass. All we have to do is commit and trust. He has to bring it to pass. God wants us so caught up with the commit and trust part that we're not even concerned about he will bring it to pass. Because as we concern ourselves with it's not coming to pass yet, we take ourselves right out of the realm of faith, right out of the realm of the spiritual, 
We put ourselves back in the realm of reason and in the natural, and like Peter, we begin to sink. And if you find yourself sinking, once again, fear not. Before you completely disconnect from God, Jesus is still there reaching out to you to show you, look, come on, come on, come on. He'll reach out to you. Oh, but I, I may, maybe never said it like this before, but I'm going to say it right now. See, some people say, well, see, Jesus did it on His own. No, I don't believe Jesus did it on His own. I believe He reached out, touched Peter, and got him back in faith. Pulled him right back up on the water and said, now let's go. Took him by the hand. I really believe that before you abort the thing of God, that He's always reaching out to you by His Spirit to say, don't do it. Take a hold of my hand. I'll get you back up here in faith. Let's go. He'll send somebody along your path and say, I've had people say many times when they've walked into, let's say, a church service like this here, and, and they're about just to give up and just say, ah, just forget the whole thing. But something went forth, either prophetically or just you know, through prophecy or something like that, and said, do not let go of your faith. Hold fast unto the end. Can you see that? And they said, you know, I was about to let go. That is the Spirit of God reaching out with the hand of Jesus and pulling you back into the realm of the Spirit and securing you back on the water with His everlasting arms beneath you. People say, see, Jesus did it all. No, He didn't. He brought them back to that place where He could walk back with Him on the water. Boy, I like that, don't you? Because that's the truth, beloved. It's cooperating with Him. Well, beloved... I really believe that this morning as we lay hands on people or whatever God instructs us to do, the miraculous is going to occur. I believe that God's power will be in operation and manifestation. And I believe that people will establish a point of contact with God. But I'm saying to you right now, instructionally, make certain that this point of contact to you is like it was the day you got saved. Man, get excited about the fact that you are about to be touched by the Almighty God. And... And know that when He touches you, you have totally committed your way to Him. And then trust Him. Be confident that He heard you and that you have it. And that He's at work in your life right now. Not in the future, right now. And every day that goes by hereafter, always refer back to your point of contact. I connected with God. God's power was unleashed. It's at work in me now. I thank God I have received my healing, my deliverance, my victory, my need met, whatever it is. And continue to shout it from the mountaintops. And this final verse, turn to it and take it with you. Philippians 4, 6. Which says, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about it. Don't fret about it. Don't have anxiety attacks over it. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication... With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And that's what you're about to do. That's called committing to God right now. Now listen carefully. He goes on to say, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall protect your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. That means it'll garrison about you like an army of soldiers garrison about you. And that, that's exactly what it means. It'll protect your heart and mind from what? Once you have committed your way to God, once you begin trusting He heard you and you have your need met, now you have surrounding you the peace of God that protects your heart and your mind from what? 
from any outside force or influence that would try to dictate to you otherwise. Listen carefully. There is such peace about you that you know that when there's peace, anything that interrupts that peace is easily detected. Isn't that true? If there's, let's say there's perfect peace here in this place. And there's a quiet stillness right here in this place. All of a sudden, something goes haywire with that, with our system here. That loud noise, you know, screeching noise, that feedback noise. And all of a sudden, the silence is broken. The stillness and the peace is gone. Everybody's kind of startled. You know what I'm talking about? The peace of God that passes all understanding guards your heart and mind against that. Anything that will say otherwise. Anything that comes along telling you, you didn't get something from God, you didn't receive from God, or look at this and look at that, it'll create within you a cringe, a cringing type feeling. You just go, that's not true. It'll say, kick that out. And that army of soldiers that'll be there, I'm telling you, the weapons are ready. To shoot down any thought, to shoot down any image, to shoot down any suggestion whatsoever that would dictate to you otherwise. God's peace will garrison about you. It will protect your heart. It will protect your mind. In your heart, the Bible says that the peace of God will act as an umpire in the book of Colossians. In other words, it will call the shots. It will say what's in. It will say what's out. And when thoughts and imaginations or anything tries to get in through your mind into your heart... They'll work together. The peace of God will see to it that all those things are kept out. So that when they do come, you can say, No, I go back to my point of reference. That's when I was prayed for. That's when I received it. God's at work now. Everything else, I shut out and shoot down. I refuse to accept anything else. And in the process, beloved, what happens is the thing you expected from God is consummated. You just rejoice and continue magnifying God that He is at work in your life and nothing else gets you to waver, doubt, disbelieve, even falter whatsoever because it's already, as far as you're concerned, established forever at the point of contact. Are you ready this morning? Are you ready this morning? Well, I know that God is. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.